Today on Season 2, Episode 83 of the Unknown Packers Podcast, Bryce once again rides solo on this victory edition of the show. The Packers now stand at 10-3 heading into their all-NFC North final three-game stretch. Bryce addresses some tough topics in Packerland. Is there a rift forming amongst Packer fans? Is the media being too harsh with criticism of a playoff-bound team? Listen in and find out. And now it's time for 10-3 on tap. Thank you so much for following the Unknown Packers podcast. Touchdown! Dagger! Al Harris, 56 yards to a game-winning touchdown! Green Bay Packers! Go Pack! Go! Winning isn't everything, but it's the only thing. Green and yellow, green and yellow, green and yellow, green and yellow, yellow. Unknown Packers podcast. Green and yellow, green and yellow, green and yellow, green and yellow. And let me tell you this, Green Bay is a great town. And welcome to the Unknown Packers Podcast, where I am your host, Bryce Christensen, and I am flying solo for 10-3 and three on tap. Packers beat the Redskins 2015 this past Sunday at Lambeau Field. The victory actually improved Coach LaFleur's record to 10-3 and three after 13 games, making him the first Packers coach to ever win 10 games in his first season. But you would not know that. You would not know that based on everything that I've read. If you go on social media, uh, even with friends and family that I interact with talking about the Green Bay Packers, you would have no idea that this Packers team is 10-3. and And based off of last Sunday's performance, you would probably be shocked that the Packers record stands at 10-3. and I'm going to dedicate this entire episode talking about some Packer beat writers and what they have said in regards to the Green Bay Packers, highlight a little bit of the pregame balls, give you my postgame balls, and then we'll wrap up with some playoff scenarios. But like I said, this is 10-3 and on tap, and let's get right into it with, first and foremost, Ryan Wood. He said, actually this is a direct quote from one of his most recent articles, Matt LaFleur did not celebrate history. This was immediately after his Green Bay Packers beat Washington 2015 on Sunday, minutes after his team improved to 10-3, and a win total no coach in franchise history has ever reached in his first season. Here was a chance to take a deep breath, to reflect, to perhaps consider the big picture, how a small-town kid from Michigan led the NFL's more storied franchise to perhaps its most successful coaching transition. Instead, Matt LaFleur marched straight to his office He had to work, quote, right after the game, end quote, LaFleur said, quote, I went upstairs, I put on the film because I knew there was so much more for us, and I was pretty upset with myself after the game as well. So I went up there and started watching the tape, end quote. And granted, I'm glad that Coach LaFleur saw exactly what I saw this past Sunday, and a lot of you, if you checked out our Here Piggy Piggy on tap, (laughs) Cleverly coined by uh, the soothing, sexy sounds of our producer and sound engineer and co-founder, Nebels. We did a co-host this episode for the pregame episode for the Redskins. And I, I talked about the Lambeau mystique, this being the first game at home for head coach Matt LaFleur in December. I broke down all the different 
coaches that we've had and their records in December. And Holmgren and surprisingly Mike Sherman were uh, at the top of the list at around 727, I think was the winning percentage. So Coach Lafleur, that was the thing that I wanted to see was the first game at Lambeau in December. Aaron Rodgers went out and said, you know, get the PBR flowing, get fired up. And uh, I'll highlight a little bit about the the crowd at Lambeau. But I talked about it being an important game. And I like the fact that Lafleur is honest, is candid. This is something that has been the case since we've hired him. He's always been upfront and honest. Uh, he's always been humble. He's always been reflective. And that's what I want in a coach. I'll, I'll, I'll expand on some other things that concern me. But in, in regards to this direct excerpt from Ryan Wood, I like the fact that he is acknowledging and also he's not basking in the fact that he's the first head coach to ever win 10 games in his first season. I think some would sit back and go, ah, all right, home stretch. We're going to coast. And I like the fact that now it's playoff mode. It's December. I'm fired up. I'm excited. I'm, I might be in the minority, but that is something that stuck out to me was immediately after the game, him going up and watching game tape. I'll talk a little bit about some other concerns regarding that. But moving on to our to the second excerpt that I wanted to highlight on from Stu Courtney. A lot of these excerpts were from PackersNews.com, but Stu Courtney said, could the Packers match the firepower of either of those teams referring to the Niners, referring to uh, the Saints? And the floor acknowledged it and said that they're working on it. Quote, I mean, I think if we had the answers right now, you wouldn't be seeing what you saw today in, in regards to Sunday's win 2015 over the Redskins. LaFleur said of the Packers' erratic offense, quote, I don't think it's up to our standards. We've got to go back, look critically, and make the corrections and make sure we're putting our guys in a good position, end quote. This goes hand in hand with Ryan Wood's excerpt that I talked about is that when you're going back and you're looking at the film and when LaFleur talks about we've got to go back and look critically and make the corrections, I think the thing that stands out is This was a game that we knew that Dwayne Haskins had to beat the Green Bay Packers, but to see the offense sputter the way it did, which is shocking, I mean, but does the offense really sputter when you look at what Aaron Jones did on the ground, what he did pass catching, the dynamic playmaker that he is, I I think it's interesting to see, are we going to continue to see this kind of Aaron Jones? What happens when opposing defenses neutralize Aaron Jones what can we see out of Aaron Rodgers and Matt LaFleur? And I think that's that's the thing that I look at when you look at these high-octane offenses. I mean, you look at the Saints and, and the Niners, what they did this past weekend, what, 48-46, just a, a shootout, San Francisco Niners prevailing. I think it's crystal clear that we do not have the firepower. Can we beat those teams? Uh, I, guess, I guess time will tell. The thing that I am focusing on is that I I, I want to take Lafleur's I want to take a direct quote where it's one game at a time. I want to stay in the moment. I want to celebrate the fact that we're 10 and 3. There there are concerns for sure. There are concerns, but at the end of the day, being 10 and 3, I think when you look at what Ben Fennel said that when you look at the tape and Aaron Rodgers had a really historically bad game this past Sunday, Ben Fennel said that this is an 8 and 8 team that happens to be 10 and 3. They're 6-1 in close games, 
and they're figuring out ways to win. I'll take that. And then Aaron Rodgers saying that I'll take ugly wins all the way to the Super Bowl. I will too. I will too. The thing that I want to see is, is this just hot air? Is this just just something to say? Because you win and then you still have that sour taste in your mouth that maybe it wasn't the prettiest win. But at the end of the day, a win is a win. It's something that I have been clamoring about. I've been beating on the drum this whole season that a win is a win. And I will take a win any given Sunday. But yeah, to to answer Stu Courtney of Packers News, can they match the firepower? No, not at this point. I think that you need to have another playmaker outside of Aaron Jones to really contend with those two. And I mean, we just played San Francisco, so I'm not going to fool myself. I'm not going to put on those green and gold rose trim glasses that I normally do. We have some work cut out for us if what Aaron Rodgers said, take ugly wins all the way to the Super Bowl. The last excerpt that I wanted to highlight is from Pete Doherty, PackersNews.com. Good old Pete. After a fast start, With two touchdowns in the first quarter, the Packers' offense went dead the rest of the game, and the enthusiasm at Lambeau drifted away with it. By the second half, the atmosphere was remarkably blasé. I've been covering the Packers since 1993, and I don't remember a quieter crowd leaving the concourses at Lambeau after a win in December. That's not on the crowd. It's on the home team to give fans something to get excited about. All right. And nothing against Pete. I'm actually going to I'm going to take it out on the fans. I had an opportunity to go to the game this past Sunday and I've been overwhelmed for lack of a better term with work and really trying to balance where I we still want to do the podcast day in and day out, try to keep up with that, but then also life gets in the way and so wasn't able to make it to the Redskins game. I will be at the Chicago Bears game with my cousin sitting in the same seats that my grandfather sat in during the Ice Bowl. So really excited about that opportunity to check out that game. This is not a Bears-Packers preview. But had I been at the game and walked away, being 10-3, and winning at home, I will take that. I was going back and forth with our producer on Nebels, also our co-founder, about highlighting the Packer fan riffs after this week. And I know a lot of people are upset about the way we've played and the way the Packers have played. But to leave Lambeau bummed after a loss in December, I just think, like, wow. The other side of the coin, the yin to the yang, when Rodgers wants everyone to get fired up, tailgating the PBR flow, and everyone sobers up in the second half and is not excited about a win. Yeah, there are concerns. But let's not forget that we haven't been to the playoffs in two years. We've had very frustrating seasons these past two years, and now we're 10-3 and and we're in the driver's seat. So that excerpt really stuck out to me where I thought, huh, that's not on the crowd. It's on the home team to give fans something to get excited about. Zadarius Smith and Aaron Jones, that doesn't get you excited? Yes, Coach Lafleur, I think, has his work cut out for him in December and in the playoffs. And it's on him to expand the script. It's on Aaron Rodgers to execute. Absolutely. But to leave Lambeau upset, And you ask fans, hey, did the Packers win or lose? Oh, we won. Why are you upset? Maybe I'm in the minority. Maybe I'm crazy. And I'm okay. I'll be crazy. I'll be wild. But (laughs) had I been, and now I'm bummed that I I gave up my tickets to, because had I been at that game and left and seen fans bummed out, oh, 
I'd go on record. I'd go on the mic. You know, I'd, I'd bring my travel mic. I'd be ready to go and talk about the Packers being 10-3. and three. And before we wrap up the first half of 10-3, and three, the last excerpt that I wanted was also from Pete Doherty. Lafleur used more three tight end sets than he had all season, mostly early in the game and with success. Lafleur went to it at least five times in the first half, and among those five were a 20-yard pass to Jimmy Graham, Runs of 16 and 42 by Aaron Jones. Jones also had a 10-yard run out of that three tight end set on the last play of the third quarter. The three tight ends usually were Graham, Mercedes Lewis, and Robert Tanyan, though Jay Sternberger was also active. And the reason why I wanted to highlight this and maybe end on a positive note is I think that's what you're going to see more and more of. You got Big Bob Tanyan. You got the Sycamore back. You need to see more Big Bob. You need to see more Sycamore. Mercedes Lewis and uh, Jimmy Graham, you brought him in last year to to form a really top-tier one-two punch at tight end. Jimmy Graham being the highest-paid tight end in the league right now. I think it stems from, a lot stems from the run, and by having these formations, that's where that run, the run is most successful. I think Jimmy Graham would have had a bigger game, but there were definitely a couple throws that, Rodgers either underthrew or overthrew. And so it comes down to the Aaron Rodgers executing. But something to keep an eye on. Three tight end sets in Washington. Another Packer fan riff was if, if Lafleur's holding out his playbook, his script for the postseason, and that fired up some people. And people were thinking, well, why do you hide that? This is something that you should be, should be showing. But my gut tells me that we're going to get sneaky. I think Rodgers' expertise, his poise, he plays really well with a chip on his shoulder. And I'll highlight into the second half of 10-3 on tap a little bit more of that chip on the shoulder, a little bit more of Aaron Rodgers. But we'll be right back right after this quick commercial break. Go Pack Go! You are listening to the Unknown Packers podcast. Do you want to be a part of the show? If so, give our listener line a call. Leave your name, a comment, concern, or question, and we will include your message on an upcoming episode. Call 920-328-5269. Again, that's 920-328-5269. We look forward to hearing from you. Don't forget to show us some love and rate us on your favorite podcast provider. Now, let's get to the second half. back for the second half of 10 and 3 on tap. Wanted to highlight the pregame balls of Nebels and myself. And for the, the pregame show, I highlighted Kevin King. I highlighted Aaron Jones. And I highlighted also Zadarius Smith and what he can do in Darnell Savage. Nebels continues to hit it all the ballpark. He had Preston Smith as well as Aaron Jones as his pregame balls. And, I mean, needless to say, I think that Nebels, if you're checking out our, our, our pregame episodes that we usually record on Fridays, uh, released before the game, he has been on fire with his pregame balls. He also highlighted Tyler Irvin, and I wanted to talk about him real quick. Tyler Irvin claimed off of waivers from Jacksonville last week, Tuesday. He immediately came in to provide a positive first impression for the Green Bay Packers special teams with four punts for 51 yards. 
<laughs> I like how I emphasize 51 yards. His production favored heavily into the Packers winning the field position battle with, with Washington. His returns of 10, 12, 18, and 11 yards gave Green Bay the ball at the 50, the Washington 48, the Green Bay 43, and the Washington 49. Both of the Packers' touchdowns on Sunday came on series after Irvin had plus returns. Quote, Swervin Irvin, that's my guy, Swervin Irvin, end quote, running back Aaron Jones, who shares a position room with Tyler Irvin because her Irvin was drafted as a as a running back out of San Jose State back in 2016. This is what Aaron Jones said about Tyler Irvin. It's definitely game-changing. It flips the field. We started a lot of drives on the plus side or midfield or 40. Anytime you do that, you get a smile. That's a weapon that you can use. I'm glad we have him here. Look forward to seeing him return more. That was our boy Aaron Rot or Aaron Jones saying that. And I also wanted to highlight Aaron Jones as well. But before that, I, I should have been more clear. I just highlighted a little bit of our pregame balls. If you get a chance, go back and check out our Here Piggy Biggie on tap. I know it's after the fact, but really it gives you a sense of uh, the prognostications of Nebels when it comes to our pregame balls. He talked about Aaron Jones. I was a little concerned about the Washington Redskins D-line and the fact that since Kansas City, since that Kansas City game where Jones completely torched Sorensen when they put a linebacker on Jones, opposing defenses have been putting a safety or a corner on Aaron Jones rather than a linebacker. And so that's that was my thought that if we were going to go up through the heart of the Washington Redskins stout D-line, I thought that Aaron Jones wasn't going to have that big of a day. But with my second post-game ball, my first being Tyler Irvin, I think you have to recognize the fact of what Irvin brings to the table. I know it's one game, but it's it's the most excite, excited I've been about special teams outside of J.K. Scott's uh, moonleg is Tyler Irvin. And I think you need to also look back at history and these midseason pickups. You look at when we won the Super Bowl in 97, the 96-97 year, uh, picking up Ryzen. We picked up Desmond Howard in the offseason, not a midseason, but we picked up Andre Ryzen. He helped out in... 2010-2011, our last Super Bowl, we picked up Howard Green and Eric Walden. And now maybe Tyler Irvin is a spark plug where it, it, it comes back down to the field position battle. And when you have J.K. Scott that can pin teams back and give them the length of the field to drive, and with the way our defense hits and gets after the quarterback, I'll take that any day. So Swervin Irvin, the first postgame ball. The second postgame ball is Aaron Jones. And Nebel's hit it all the ballpark. I his confidence when it comes to the pregame balls is mesmerizing. And I know that he edits and produces our episodes. So I hope I give him a little bit of a, something to smile about with this post-production episode. But Aaron Jones on Sunday against the Washington Redskins produced a game with over 180 yards for the third time this season. Unsurprisingly, the Packers are now 3-0 in those games. Aaron Jones carried the ball 16 times for a season-high 134 rushing yards and a touchdown. He caught six passes for a team-high of 58 yards, including a crucial 25-yard catch in the fourth quarter to help the Packers escape a 2015 win over the Redskins. Those stats and that little blurb was from Packers Wire. And needless to say, Aaron Jones is the reason why we did escape a victory over the Washington Redskins. But Aaron Jones is also the reason why we're 10-3. and and I, I would like to see us get creative with Aaron Jones. If they're going to neutralize him in the run game, how do we get creative with him in the pass game? So moving forward, that is on Lafleur. is how do you 
how do you exploit Aaron Jones? How do you how do you mismatch him all over the field because he's electric? Aaron Rodgers actually missed a wide open Aaron Jones, so he could have had even uh, another catch for more than fifty eight yards. So that that's the thing that I want to keep an eye on is how are they going to use Aaron Jones? Are they going to get creative? He is the X factor on this offense, and I think that that's something that opponents are going to continue to key in on. But I think the thing for me is what happens when he doesn't total 180 yards and a touchdown? Can Aaron Rodgers, which I think he can, this whole chip on the shoulder, can he be that guy, that expertise, that poise? Can he be the guy to take over games? That's what I would like to see from Aaron Rodgers. And I know he's fully capable of it. And then moving on to my third and final post-game ball, it's Adrian Amos. I think the the hidden gem of this offseason, he, he was a little bit under the radar with our acquisitions of Zadarius Smith, Preston Smith, and Billy Turner, bootstrap Billy Turner. But Adrian Amos continues to show his presence. Darnell Savage was my pregame ball, but it went to the other safety, Adrian Amos, uh, securing an interception, recording a sack, three tackles, just all over the field, rarely makes mistakes. How refreshing is it to see great safety play. I think Adrian Amos is a guy that maybe not a lot of fans or people outside of Green Bay realize how impactful he is. I think next to Zadarius Smith and then possibly Kenny Clark, Adrian Amos might be the the most instrumental player on the Packers defense right now. I think he shores up that secondary but what a stat line for him. He continues to surprise. I think you win that turnover battle, so that interception right there was really key. It neutralized a fumble from Aaron Rodgers, which set up a quick, easy score for the Redskins. So I think with Adrian Amos showing that he's a, a sure tackler, doesn't make mistakes, can be a ball hawk, can get after the quarterback, it's really exciting to see a safety do all that. And I think uh, we're just scratching the surface. I think Adrian Amos is going to be that guy for the rest of December and for a postseason playoff run. With the second half of 10-3 on tap, highlighting postgame balls of Adrian Amos, Aaron Jones, and, and Tyler Irvin, I do want to mention two things that really concern me. Packers starting out fast. They built a 14-0 lead, and they had a really efficient game plan built around that tight end position. You know, those three tight end sets. But this is the thing that I've been noticing. After this opening script was over, there was nothing that this offense can do outside of Aaron Jones. So it's those original pre-designed script plays, but 15 of them, after that's exhausted, the Packers offense cannot get rolling. That's on Coach LaFleur. That's on Aaron Rodgers. That's on them to get on the same page. If that's the case, I would like to see where they just play with no urgency, the no huddle, uh, almost like a backyard football sort of thing where Aaron Rodgers just goes up and when they play with urgency – the all gas, no flipping break sort of mentality that we've been yearning to see, that's where they're the most efficient and deadly. So this is something that concerns me is this opening script after it's over, and you've noticed this since the, the San Diego Chargers game. I'm not going to say the LA Chargers, the San Diego Chargers. Since that game, the Packers could easily be 3-3 three and three right now. So I think uh, what you're looking at is after the Chargers, you're by San Francisco, you're starting to you're starting to wonder what happens after that script. And secondly, Packers quarterback Aaron Rodgers losing points on at least three drives. Uh, he overthrew Jimmy Graham on a would-be touchdown, lost a fumble on the inside of the 30-yard line, and overshot Aaron Jones. 
on another potential touchdown. Nearly threw an interception in Washington territory on third down. And if Rodgers had a better game, uh, I think we blow out the Redskins. So the score being 20-15, I think that falls on Rodgers. And this is what is concerning is... He's overthrowing guys. He's he, Usually, that's where he just is a surgeon, and he's tactical, and he just continues to just rip defenses apart. But these blemishes, these mistakes, I wonder what's going to happen. And I'm, I'm sure that maybe Aaron Rodgers, the chip on his shoulder, he's going to come out guns a-blazing against Chicago, Minnesota, and Detroit to wrap up the season. But those are really my concerns right there are, on the offensive side of the ball, once the script has been exhaust what happens after that and Aaron Rodgers execution I do want to wrap up on some positives I also mentioned Swerve and Irvin in my post game balls but this is something really to keep an eye on if you've got a punt returner that can produce positive yards can win that field position battle that's a game changer that's a weapon and then when you have J.K. Scott as well punting I don't want to see J.K. Scott that well that means that we stalled on offense But J.K. Scott, if he continues to pin opponents inside the 20, it gives that long length of the field for them to drive. And that's where you see Zadarius Smith, Preston Smith, Kenny Clark, to name a few, where they got after the quarterback. Four sacks, eight hits, uh, interception. Preston Smith getting a sack against his former former team that did not want to re-sign him. Kenny Clark having one and a half sacks. Zadarius Smith just wreaking havoc. He's the game changer. He's the guy that is the chess piece for Mike Pettin. So those are positives. Those are really positives right there. And to wrap up, Aaron Jones, and I want to mention this. With Green Bay clinging to a 17-9 lead, he produced 49 of the 74 yards on a 14-play drive that ate more than seven minutes off the clock, extending the Green Bay Packers' lead to two scores with a Mason Crosby 33-yard field goal. Aaron Jones, how do you get more creative? You need to put the football in his hands. Earlier in the season, I talked about were they was it going to be a timeshare with Jamal Williams and, and Aaron Jones? Can Aaron Jones withstand the length of the season at a punishing position? But this is a guy that the whole offseason dedicated to transforming his game, getting lean, dropping from like 10% body fat all the way down to roughly around 5% body fat, staying the same weight. You're you're seeing a workhorse. You're seeing an absolute stud. Aaron Jones. That that's this season falls on Aaron Jones. I think Aaron Rodgers can correct it. I think Coach Lafleur needs to get more creative. Needs to figure out ways that once that opening script is over, what do you do after that? That's on him. And based off of Coach Lafleur not basking in his ten win season, the first for a Packers coach, but going back and reflecting on the tape, wanting to get better, wanting to improve, one game at a time. As we wrap up ten. Three on tap. I want to give you some playoff scenarios real quick for your Green Bay Packers. They are currently the two seed at 10 and 3 with the Niners beating the Seahawks. But for the one seed, the Packers need to win out and San Francisco needs to lose the next two of three. For the two seed, this is the driver's seat. They just need to win out. They control their own destiny. They get a first round bye and they get a home field game. Win out. Chicago, Minnesota, Detroit, win out. 13-3, first-round bye, second seed. Third seed, you lose once, New Orleans wins out. Keep an eye on New Orleans. Keep an eye on them. Number four seed, the NFC is guaranteed to have the four seed. The winner of that division gets the four seed, so we do not have an opportunity to get the four seed. 
The five seed, they lose twice. Minnesota wins out and Seattle loses out. We have the five seed. And the six seed, we lose twice. Minnesota wins out. Tiebreakers galore. And this is how we could miss the playoffs. The Packers lose two of the next three and the Rams win out. The Packers could miss the playoffs. Packers are 10-3 and three right now. I hope you enjoyed 10-3 on tap. They can play off football. We're thinking Lambeau Mystique. There are concerns, but a win is a win. And let's focus on our next opponent, the Chicago Bears. Stay tuned for our pregame episode with myself and the soothing, sexy sounds of Nebels, our producer and our co-founder. Hope you enjoyed this episode. I am your host, Bryce Christensen, and this is the Unknown Packers Podcast. Thank you so much for following the Unknown Packers podcast. Make sure that you're tuning in to TuneIn Radio, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Anchor, Google Play, Stitcher, and a variety of other podcast platforms. Don't forget to say, hey, Alexa, play the Unknown Packers podcast. That's right. We're good friends with Alexa. Make sure you're checking out our website, theunknownpackers.com, as well as Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, and Reddit. The Unknown Packers Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode. I'm Bryce Christensen, and this is The Unknown Packers Podcast.